If you have any topic suggestions that you'd like to hear more about or questions that you're hoping that we could maybe address on a future podcast, you can click the Get in Touch box right on our website at ktsmoneymatters.com. And the Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money, available either on our website, KT's Money Matters, or on Amazon. Or, of course, you can find our link in the show notes. Hey, welcome back. This is KT Thomas at KT's Money Matters, coming to you with your quips and tips and ideas about how to make money, grow money, save money, spend money, maybe not spend as much money as you hope. Uh, we're kicking into our new year in 2019. This is the first podcast of 2019. So now I'm kind of like an old hat, kind of like a veteran. I've been doing this for a year now. I've gotten some good podcasts feedback from our Money Matters community. I always appreciate knowing what you're interested in, what's working for you, and frankly, what actually just isn't working for you. So if you've got comments or feedback or you want to give me a review, I'm always gratefully appreciated those things. So you can either do it on the iTunes site or you can rate my show, which if you love my show, I'd love you to take a minute and rate my show. But you can also put questions out there and you can put questions on ktsmoneymatters.com, which is the landing page. For this podcast. Again, when you feel the urge to kind of give me some feedback, by all means, please feel free to do that. So today, it's 2019, and I think we're all looking at ways that we're doing things, trying to figure out if we're doing the right thing or not. Uh, I travel a lot. Some of you maybe don't fly a lot, but I fly a lot business, and I fly for personal, but I do, I fly a lot for business over the course of the year. I thought I might do a little show about being a ninja traveler. So what do I mean about being a ninja traveler? Well, it's gotten a lot more confusing. I think you go on these websites and you say, shop my flight. I'm going from point A to point B. And you see this great fare that shows up and says, oh, you can go for $268. But then when you get into the site, what you find out is that you've got to pay extra for bags. You've got to pay extra if you want a bigger seat. You've got to pay extra if you want to get on the plane early. And by the time you add it all up, that $268 flight is running something more like $380, sometimes $400. You have to ask yourself, are all these sites that are helping me find the cheapest site actually helping me find the best flight for me? And what should I be looking for? First, I think you need to know what kind of traveler you are. There are some people that want the cheapest flight enough that they're willing to fly in the cheap seats, meaning they're willing to carry the bag on the plane or they're willing to board whenever they get in the row and see whatever they get and what, what do they care? Whenever they get on the plane, they get on the plane and they get off the plane when everybody else gets off and they get to their location and their number one goal for travel is to spend the absolute least amount of money possible. The good news is for those people that there are some bargain hunter prices out there. You can do things like you can look at Southwest, which allows you to just board based on when you show up at the airport. They'll even check a bag for you for free. And what you see when you register is about what you get. Now you can buy other things like boarding the plane early as an example, but once you start getting into all the little things that are adding on, you might want to consider flying what I think about as retail. If you're not that bottom flyer, basic bare minimum flyer can fly a regional airline, can fly a smaller plane, can fly aboard anytime, could fly or carry your own luggage. And if you're willing to, to accept kind of the hassle that goes along with the cheapest fare, you can do pretty well on sites like TripAdvisor and Travelocity and Expedia. They're all good. By the way, they're almost all owned by the same company too. Even though you think they're competing, you should probably know that they're not really competing. They're really like parts of another company. There are some airlines 
that choose not to have their fare showed up, like Southwest. The only place you can buy a Southwest ticket is on southwest.com. Same thing for JetBlue. You're going to want to look at the JetBlue site. But if you're wondering in a range of what flights might cost, I recommend sites like TripAdvisor or Travelocity as a way for you to get some idea about what it might cost. I might not book there, and I certainly might not book right away, but that might go where I go to get grounded in the reality of what I might have to spend on airfare. I got to tell you, I'm not going to buy the cheapest flight. I just would rather stay home. I'm just not happy in the back. I'm not happy when I can't put my armrest down. I want a seat a little closer to the door so that I can make a fast escape when it's over. Because I'm not a girl that loves flying. I'm a girl that loves getting where I want to go. And I am willing to pay a little bit more to have a little bit more comfortable flight. If I'm that person, and if you're that person, you might want to think about things like extra space, boarding early, checking your luggage so that you don't have to go for the cattle call of trying to board quickly. In fact, one of the interesting things happened lately is JetBlue in the last quarter changed their first bag flies for free policy. Now it's, I forgot what it is, 20 bucks or 25 bucks. And the entire world is carrying their luggage on JetBlue. And I got to tell you, not that much fun. I actually did that this weekend. I carried my bags on JetBlue because it was only going away for the weekend and I didn't want to bother to check it if I only needed a small bag and I wanted to make a quick escape. But because everybody is trying to carry their bags on JetBlue, you need to know that if your plan is to carry your bag on JetBlue, you might want to spend a little bit of money and pay to board early because if everyone on the plane is carrying their bags, guess what? There's not enough space. So just like the Titanic, didn't have enough life rafts if something went wrong. JetBlue Airlines does not have enough space if everybody wants to carry on. If you want to carry on your luggage, you probably want to make sure that you can board early. If you're at seat 7A and you're boarding in the last group, you are checking your bag at the gate and you are picking it up at the carousel and all you've done is carry all your luggage to the airport only to give it to the people that are going to make you pick it up at the carousel anyway. So I always say you need to know what you value and decide that that's what you're going to spend money on. So if I know I value, check my bag and don't worry about it. I'm going to make sure I bake that into the cost of the trip when I'm thinking about it. If I know I value a bigger seat, you know, I'm like 5'2", I'm not that big. I could pretty much sit anywhere, but I don't really want to sit anywhere. I want to sit where I have a little bit more space in case I want to work or read or nap or whatever. But if I'm a bigger person, longer feet, taller, you know, my husband... He like has to have extra space. He's almost six feet tall. For him, we need extra legroom. But when I look at that teaser rate on any of these sites, I'm not seeing that. I am seeing the deep discount seat. So if I'm buying more space, if I'm buying the right to board early, if I'm maybe checking the bag, I want to add 100 to $150 to the price of the ticket that I see. And that's a pretty fair rule of thumb. So if you're looking at tickets and you're saying, you know, how much am I paying for these things? That can kind of give you a guide. If you add 100 to $150, you can maybe make that ticket the one that you actually want. Or you can just get over it and get in the back and wait and just deal with it because it's a short flight. What do you care? I've saved the money and I'm going to spend it on vacation. Now, if you think the planes have been getting smaller and there are more people on them, 
you're actually not wrong. So American Airlines just launched their new 737s, and it actually carries 12 more people than the old 737. So where did the space for those 12 people come from? They came from smaller seats for everyone. If you're somebody that likes a little bit more room, then you're going to want to know that seats are pretty small on the new American Airlines plane. Their old ones are just fine. But you want to think about, I'm going a long flight. So like I said, I just went to Florida and back. It's about two and a half hours coming home fast. You're pretty much up. You have a little drink and a little snack, and then you're practically descending into Boston. It's pretty quick. So I might be willing to be like a little bit uncomfortable for two and a half hours. But if I have to fly to California, which is like five hours, I'm actually a lot less willing to be uncomfortable. That's two thirds of a working day. And I actually believe that airtime is dead time. And if I can sit in a good seat, then I might be able to work on the plane. And then that's time I don't have to spend working in the office. So for me, an upgrade to business class or you know, even first class if they have it, I might be able to make that money back just by working for those five hours because I can create an environment that lets me get my work done. But not everybody has that opportunity. Some people are just, you know, they're traveling for play. And what you have to ask yourself is, will me and my two kids going to Disneyland on the plane for five hours in the back of the plane, will we be okay? And if we are, great. And if we're not, then you're gonna wanna know that you're gonna need to spend more money. So airlines are adding all of these different fees. They're in really an unmerciful price war when it comes to how much more can they get you to spend without you actually not realizing that they're raising prices. And this is how they do it. There's the flyer first number that comes out to kind of draw you in. Oh, that's not as bad as I thought it would be. And then when you get in and you look at the fine print, they've added on a bunch of different ways so that by the time you buy that ticket, it's a lot. There are some things that you want to know about air travel. First is, and I'm actually not sure why, it's just one of those algorithms from God, booking your plane ticket on Tuesday is usually the best day of the week to buy plane tickets because it's the least amount of volume plane tickets are sold on a Tuesday. If you're the person who thinks you're going to sit down over the weekend and you're going to buy your plane tickets, you need to know that the chances are good you're going to spend about 10% more buying those plane tickets on the weekend than you would if you bought them during the week, specifically on a Tuesday. The other thing you might want to know is if you can modify your travel days, meaning like leave on a Friday and come back on a Friday instead of leave on a Saturday and come back on a Saturday, you may be able to save 15% on the cost of those plane tickets just by modifying one day, getting out of that weekend travel. But if you really need to fly on a Friday and come back on a Sunday, the best way to spend less on a plane ticket is to be able to fly early in the morning because families kind of like hate that. So early morning flights tend to be less expensive. Mid-morning flights to early afternoon flights are your premium travel times. And then kind of like those rush hour flights, four to six, also expensive. So once you get on the other side of that, you're either going to fly at night, 7 p.m. or later. You're going to fly in the morning, 9.30 or earlier. You can do much better on price. You're going to fly on a Friday. You're going to fly on a Thursday, a Wednesday. Those are all good travel days. You want to fly Saturday and Sunday, you're going to spend extra for that. So as you're mapping out your calendar and trying to decide how you're going to make it all work, you're going to want to know what you could change in order to get your price ticket down. Because remember, in, unless your boss is paying for this ticket, this is completely coming out of you. And for those of you who are self-employed that go, oh, I'm just going to write it off anyway, guess what? More business expenses you have, less profit you have. So you just, you want to make sure that you think about this like it's your money because it is. 
it's your money. I'd like to spend a little bit of time and talk about low-cost carriers versus brand name carriers. So when you think about like the Americans, the Deltas, the Uniteds versus say the Frontier Airlines, here's what you want to know. You should price both. You shouldn't assume that the low-cost carrier is actually really going to provide you the cheapest cost for that ticket. Weird, right? A discount carrier should be cheaper, but it actually isn't always true. It really depends upon uh, what you're getting from the high-cost carrier. So as an example, an article I recently read in Consumer Reports looked at a flight going from Los Angeles to Denver, and they compared Delta and Frontier. So Frontier, the low-cost carrier, $281. Delta, basic economy, which is like their version of the low-cost cost at Delta, was $210. They also looked at American Airlines, say, versus Allegiant, which is, you know, Chicago to uh, Fort Myers, Florida, someplace we all want to be right now. Spring training is about to start for the Boston Red Sox, where I want to be. Not being a snow girl, I can't wait. But right now, if I were going from Chicago to uh, Fort Myers at Allegiant Airline, I could actually go for $234, which would be cheaper than the American Airlines ticket at $250, but not a lot cheaper. So you want to be sure that you're checking it out because the reality is just because it says it's cheap doesn't actually mean it's cheap. One of the other ways that I found that makes travel really good is something called the fare finder, where you can go in and basically say, track this fare for me and let me know when the price goes down. So a lot of the trip sites have this, like the Travelocity has it. You go in and say, you know, I want to travel on or around these days. And when the fares drop, show me that fare drop. And that is a great way if you have plenty of time to monitor when you're going to buy your ticket. Let's say you know you're going someplace two or three months from now, and you want to get the absolute best price that you can for that ticket. You go in and set the frequency reminders, and then it'll shoot you an email when that ticket becomes available at a price that makes sense. That's actually a great way to save some money. The other thing that actually works really well, and I know sometimes people go, oh, does this really work? But the bundling idea. So if you know you're traveling and you know you need to rent a car and you know you need to stay in a hotel and you don't care what brand name hotel you stay in, but you care what quality of hotel you stay in, you can use a site like TripAdvisor or Travelocity or Expedia to bundle the trip and you will save about 50% of the car and about 30% of the hotel by buying the airline ticket, the car, and the hotel together. Now, let's say the flip side is true. I'm like a Marriott rewards junkie. I really don't want to stay anywhere that's not a Marriott property. And for crying out loud, they practically own everything now. I might use the Marriott site and say, build me a trip. So then I actually save money on the car and I save money on the plane ticket by making the commitment to stay at a Marriott. Either one of those things works. What you can't do is say, I always want to buy, I always want to fly JetBlue, and I always want to stay in a Marriott, and I always want a deal. You have to decide which one of those things matters to you the most, and then book accordingly, because that's where you will get the best deal. So bundling definitely is a better deal, as long as you're flexible with at least one of the sides, being the hotel, brand, not necessarily quality, and or the airline. A hassle alert to think about is when you do that, you need to make sure that the car in the car locator where you're renting the car from actually has a car rental on site. Or if it's off site, how far away it is. I have gotten to some, some cities where I think I can just grab my car and go only to find out that it's off property, that it take a bus. 
across town, get another car there. And that also means that on the return, I got to do the same thing. So I got to bake that extra time and to go fetch the car and then go where I'm going from there. And then the same thing coming back. And if I'm flying on a really tight schedule, I, pr- I want to kind of make sure that, that the car rental company that I'm using is in the airport if possible. And I'm willing to pay a little bit more for that. Now, if money's tight and you're just trying to make this trip work, one of the ways that you can save money is thinking about it just the opposite. I have less money, but more time. I want to take the shuttle to the further away car rental place and buy a cheaper car rental. Now, when you get there, there are a lot of things at the car rental counter. that They're going to try ways to increase that bill over the whatever deal was that you made on the internet. One is the idea of bringing the car back and needing gas. They're going to charge you something like $10 a gallon to refill it, or you can say, I'll bring it back and I'll fill it. Bringing it back and filling it is a hassle, but at the same time, you can save significant money on the cost of your rental by doing it. You can also save money on the cost of the rental by not buying additional insurance for them if you already have car insurance. So you want to be careful about making sure that the people that are going to drive the car are listed as drivers. You never want to let somebody drive your rental car that isn't listed as the driver. Some car rental companies assume the spouse is a listed driver and that that's okay, but you want to ask that question because if anybody other than you gets into an accident driving that car, Trust me, you're going to find ways to take a lot more money than the little bit of money you would have spent registering that driver. The other thing I would recommend is unless you know you're not going very far, you get unlimited miles. They all want to sell you extra GPS and they want to sell you satellite radio, which by the way, both are an additional cost at almost every car rental agency. Now, I actually use Google Maps on my phone. I even have it on my Apple phone. Don't tell the Apple people. I'm sure they'll think this is bad. But to tell you the truth, I use that when I travel. I don't rent a GPS for the car. I just put it on my phone and it works just fine. They want to charge me. I've forgotten what it is a week. It's, you know, it's so much money a day, $10 a day or something on top. And then they also want to charge me 10 or $15 a day to add satellite radio. I will confess, I'm kind of a satellite radio junkie, especially when I'm traveling on business. I want to be able to get business news all day. That's my uh, drug of choice, if you will. But if you're not that person and you don't have satellite radio in your own car, then don't get it in the rental car. GPS. If you have your own GPS, you can bring it. If you have GPS on your cell phone, you can use that. And if you have no idea where you're going and you don't have those tools, you can always pay extra to rent it, but it will be an additional cost. The thing about car rentals is they're usually done on the 24-hour cycle. So if you rent the car at noon, they actually expect you to be back by noon the day you're turning it in. And they may surcharge you if you come back later than that. So it's important to know at what time do I have to have this car back in the lot in order to not add on any additional fees. So all those things should be able to help you save a little bit or at least be more in touch with what you're doing around your finances as it pertains to travel. I always like to say you have to have a travel budget. You have to really think about how much money am I trying to do in all of these different ways and what's that gonna mean. If I'm traveling with a family and I'm going someplace where I'm going to spend a lot of money, say like the Magic Kingdom, that's where I was last weekend doing a little loop around the Magic Kingdom and the Disney 10K, You're going to spend a lot of money just being in the neighborhood of Disney before you even spend money on parks and food and travel. So you need to know how much money, spare money, you need to take on a family vacation, say, versus a business trip. I personally like to rent a hotel that has a little kitchen or at least a fridge and a little countertop so I can do things like my breakfast food, as an example, and not eat out every day. I mean, I really do that for two reasons. One is I don't want to be I don't want to gain all this weight and be huge because I'm eating all this food out every single day, three times a day while I'm traveling. But I also do it because I don't really want to spend money on a meal that I'm not, I'm not really 
interested in. The other thing is, especially traveling with families, you want to look at things like kids stay free, kids eat free. There are a lot of hotels out there that will do breakfast for everybody, like a Holiday Inn. Express is an example, always has breakfast. Uh, Residence Inn from Marriott always has breakfast. So there are a whole bunch of these hotels that have regular food as part of the bill. And then there are other places like the Days Inn where they have kids stay free. And so if you're traveling as a family, you really want to look into those things. They can save you literally hundreds of dollars that you can spend doing something else on vacation that your children are going to find more memorable and you might find more pleasant. We're in a brand new year now. We're just thinking about where we might go this year. And this is my, my opportunity to try to help you think about how it is that you're going to get there and still have your cash intact for all the joy in life that I hope you find. So until we speak again. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your host, KT Thomas, is the Director of Portfolio Services at New Day Solutions, a firm offering expertise in retirement planning with more than 25 years of experience, dedicated to high net worth individuals families, and business owners. We work with you to have a coordinated approach for your comprehensive investment goals, providing concierge service for all generations from a team who can see things from your side of the table. Go to NewDaySolutions.com for more information. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.